Hello everyone and welcome to GCP. And for my mate Roger, it's an initialism, not an acronym. There you go. I got told off about that this past weekend. It's not an acronym. It, it is to me. The, uh, the, the glorious cake podcast. Yeah, yeah. What, whatever we might stand for, who knows? But it's initialism. Mm. Joining us today, the one and only Chris Wilson. Hello, Hello there, Chris. How, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. Um, currently, I am recording this from my phone as my laptop has decided to do many updates. So I thought, ah, here's the backup. So we've got 46% to get us through. 14 pages of notes on this. <laughs> that's that's going to be a, a bit of a challenge, but at least, you know, you're back on your phone now in the, in the pub again, so this is nothing new to you. Oh, no, oh, no. Back, back, back on our old old shit. Well, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, what we're going to chat about this time is WCW Spring Stampede 2000. Yes, it's the start of the Russo Bischoff era of WCW. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> and all the massive shitstorms that are about to appear. This is a wild period, Chris, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Quite infamous and lives in the memory for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into over the next few months. Good and bad. Mainly, Mainly bad. Bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's jumping on you there. But um, before the Russo Bischoff era, there was a couple of weeks more of Kevin Sullivan TV. Oh dear. Do we have to? We do. I have watched <laughs> I've watched every episode going up until the pay-per-view. Uh done all my own work, so let's get into what happened on March twentieth, two thousand. Chavo Guerrero steals Mean Gene's wallet. You'd probably only find moths in that bloody thing. Mean Gene hasn't had to pay for a pint in about 50 years. Oh, no, boy, he did buy his watch from Manchester Airport. That's what he did tell us at uh, the access I met him at. Oh, nice. Okay. He could have been talking absolute bollocks. Yeah, hopefully one of the nicer duty-free stores and not just like, I don't know, the WH Smith. Who, who knows? Um, well, he did say, where are you from? And, you know, I use the, um, you know, what every person from the UK says. Oh, I'm, I'm from, like, Manchester or famous city, Manchester or London. Mm. I can't expect Mean Jeans if I told him. I'm from Rochdale, you know. <laughs> I went to that fine jewellers in Rochdale on, the, on Yorkshire <laughs> Street. You should have done. You, you could have called him out then. Yeah, uh, who was with that evening? Oh, Pat Patterson. It was um, it was a part of like the Legends House setup. I was going to say, it was this like some sort of Legends House promotional tour in 2014. A bit of a hillbilly gym, and uh, who was in there? Jim Duggan as well. Yeah, Jim Duggan. Yeah, Finkel. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he was in there as well, wasn't he? Fantastic. Well, it was well when I was queuing up. It was like Finkel and uh, Mean Gene, and then. Finkel had to leave, and then Pat Patterson got put in his place. Mm. <sighs> I wanted to meet Fink myself. Yeah. Anyway, um, Chris Candido versus Lash LaRue. 
Candido looking jacked to the gills while saying he doesn't need a gimmick whilst having an actual nickname, Hard Knocks. <laughs> it should have been called No Gimmicks Needed, Chris Candido. Yes, uh, which is a gimmick as well. Yeah, it is, yeah. Not having a gimmick is a gimmick. Oh, who is it now? The, the one on the British scene, H.T. Drake. About, about it, say, if, you're, if you're listening H.T. Drake for some reason, that, that's a gimmick, mate. You need a... No, but the gimmick killer. Yeah, that, that, that's a gimmick. So if you've got a gimmick, you might as well go for something wild. What I'm saying is you like you should become like the next doink for clown or something like that. Go for it. Go nuts. You can do what you want. Here's one. Um, there's always a lot of Slim Jim commercials on... Um like the WCW TV with Randy Savage on these shows, mm. even though I don't think he's ever used again. But I, I did notice last night, he does actually turn up sometime during 2000. He's used one more time, uh, but we'll get into that before Slambury. What's but he I'm, used as? He, he uh, comes in during a, a quite infamous Battle Royal, uh, does a few punches and walks off again. And that, that's him, that's him done. In the company, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. If, if this was very much him on his midlife crisis, doing lots of ecstasy or something. Period with gorgeous George sort of thing going on. So he's just like flitting in and out until his contract expires. What a man! What a um, man! Fair play to him. Le Parker doing the voiceover gimmick, which you did mention last time, Chris. Oh, yes, I say, yeah, I, I thought this would appear at some point. I absolutely love this gimmick while I was younger. So fucking funny. It's a, it, it was like commentary, like, he's not even moving his lips. Yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who hasn't seen it, basically the gimmick is like someone's doing the talking for him and he like seems happy to go along with it. But suddenly, like, Le Parker's voice starts making, like, really defamatory <coughs> comments against his opponent. And he's like, then Le Parker's just stood there going, no, I didn't say that. No, 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 please don't hurt me. They have um, the wall choke, choke slamming David Flair through a table. This is, like, the week after he choke slammed um, Crowbar to his death. It was, yes. Crowbar, who returned two weeks later with not a scratch on him. It was a new era in his defence. They, they did sell it up until the new era, but yeah, so yeah, so David Flair got it because he actually got away unscathed on the centre, didn't he? So relatively he did, speaking, yeah. yeah so uh, this is his, this is what he deserves. Next up, there's a match between Tank Abbott and the Barbarian. I put here, ooh, two hard lads. Yeah, I didn't realise Barbarian was still in WCW at this point. This is very yeah. late of the day for him. He must have been like, jobbing around on WCW Saturday night. Yes, Saturday night and Thunder. I think he's in a match um, later on down the line. He's on a Thunder. He's like... mm. he, he appears... At, well, we'll get into it at Spring Breakout, but if you want to think about what could have been if Kevin Sylvanera continued, uh, it looks like we're going to get a... Massive, huge, game-changing feud between Tank Abbott and Fit Finley. That would have been a... I don't know. Yeah, it would have been all right. four-minute match, wouldn't it? It, it? it would have got Tank over, I guess, but yeah. I would say with the um, Barbarian match, it was actually more of a match than usual for Tank. Mm. Um, Tank obviously knocked him out, but yeah... It went three or four minutes, unlike most of Tank's matches. 
Yeah, yeah, true, true. But yeah, I'll say it's quite clear. Like for me at this point, the whole tank habit thing isn't working. No. But they, they still try and persist with it, don't they? They do, yeah. But the best thing he does is when he starts punching out Doug Dillinger, but that's about it. Yeah. And um, they have also on this episode Ric Flair versus Sting, which Again. goes six minutes. Just like old times. Yeah, so with this one, I, d- I just put here lots of the old tropes. Luger trying to interfere, but it's thwarted by Sting. Mm. Luger pulls out the ref then to cause the um, DQ. Then uh, Sting gets double thrusted in the cock, but Vampire- Vampiro saves him in the uh, two-week uh, friendship of the Brothers in Paint. The Brothers in Paint, yeah. Yeah, so they really went hard with Vampiro. Was, uh, again, we'll mention another instance of him interfering in a, with a big league uh, superstar in a minute. But yeah, I don't know what Kevin Sullivan saw in Vampiro, but again, well, I've, I've buried Vampiro enough in the uh, last two episodes as it is. Next up, um, the main event of this show was um, a WCW staple back in the day of there's only five minutes left to go, so get the main event out there, which was Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner versus Sid and Hulk Hogan. It's like you a variation, but, but again, it's another tag match, isn't it? For, for, it is another tag match. Yeah, except this one. I don't think a lot of people actually remember this, you know, because of the whole new era thing. Yeah. But this is the old uh, Sid heel turn on Hogan, isn't it? It is, yeah. So with this, Hogan basically batters both Jarrett and Steiner. Then Sid just gets angry at like Hogan taking all the spotlight in section 11E. Yeah. Point five. Um, Sid just turns on Hogan by choke slamming him and then pinning him. Mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that worked. Out, but, uh... A clean pin for victory over his own tag team partner. Yeah, they didn't say say that in the rules. Yeah, uh, about say I think that's section eleven subparagraph E uh, kicking in again. It's Hulk Hogan putting someone over. Look, there he is. Yeah, I did put Jarrett and Steiner felt so inconsequential here, but it's it's just very much um, as we go into like thunder. Uh, so like the start off the show with Hogan and Sid fighting backstage. Mm. Uh, which interrupts Mean Gene's interview with Finlay. But I did put, this storyline with Sid and Hogan is basically a retread of the WWS storyline from Rumble Mania 8. Yeah. This is where and, we are. And back in night, night two, again, actually, they've, they've just done like uh, Sid and, uh, sorry, uh, they've just done like Hogan and Flair and all that lot. Now they're doing the other night, night two feud. In fact, yeah, they've gone from the failed WrestleMania, the original main event, and then they've gone on to the actual main event of WrestleMania, which is Hogan and Sid. Yeah, and the thing was with um, that time, I'm sure that Sid were more over with the audience than that, than what Hogan was, mm. even back in um, 92. That's why we call them smart fans, because they're actually quite smart. Yeah. I've always liked Sid. Yeah, that's when Hogan were on like the... On the yeah, way, well, that's when his character turned into a complete whiny bitch. 
like Vogue was when he got eliminated in Rumble, and when, when he drags like Sid out, it's just like a complete bad loser. And and even the audience at that point had seen through it, just like, oh, fuck off, Hogan. Yeah. And even even in this this period, it's just... Sid is really over with the audience, but it's just Hogan, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but I'll say, yeah, in this period, it's quite a dry period creatively for WCW, but in all fairness, Sid, ever since he like turned face, you know, when he started teaming up with Goldberg at the end of 99, the fans have liked him, and they've very been into him, and they've chanted his name and all that lot. And then here comes Hogan again, uh, probably using the Section 11 subparagraphy to make sure that Sid's no longer the popular one by turning him, in, turning him heel for some reason. It's very counterproductive. Yeah. And again, another glimpse into a future that never was, which should, of course, be um, Hogan winning the title from Sid at Spring Stampede 2000. Mm. And, and yes, I have played this game on EWR. I've, I've done this scenario. So um, while, while this is all going on, in the, in like, while they're fighting, there's um, a nice sign in the background of wheelchair wrestling equals WCW. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is definitely well. Thunder was probably heavily comped at this point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. definitely so. Like to like TNA back in the days at um, the MEN Arena. Yeah. Uh, but but moving on now, um, Dustin Rhodes has got a new nickname. What is it? I genuinely have forgotten what his nickname is. Well, his brother has it now. The American oh. Nightmare. Oh, did he go for the American Nightmare thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sort of teased it in 99 and he never went with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Nice bit of trivia there for you. So uh, he's not the original. So Cody's not the only American nightmare in the family. Let's be honest. It sort of suits Dustin's character in 2000 a lot better than whatever suited Cody. Why would your top really good guy in AEW and I guess now in WWE, why do we call the American nightmare? What's nightmarish about him? It's just... Is an all-round great swell guy. Uh, probably the only nightmare is if they give Brandy Rhodes a microphone, isn't it? Yeah, it is, to be fair. Or a match. Or a match. <laughs> um, also on, on fun, the free count versus the Young Dragons. I think and, this is uh, the first instance of this, by the way. Yes, um, it, it's very good as ever. These these matches were always great between the two. Yeah. It's a five-minute sprint of the match. Always worked well, but... In the background, there's another sign. End oh. this misery. <laughs> Could always just go home. <laughs> Beat the traffic. Sure, surely, you know, like, they, they checked the signs before they went in. You know, like, um, or even, you remember that magician show where they, they said, oh, when they get to the arena, the um, production staff hand every all these signs. Yeah, they, do, yeah. they hand all the signs of the lobby and all that lot. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> What's really funny is that this would have been a double tape, and this is like the first half of the the first fund of the tape. So we're literally like two matches into like probably twenty a match card. End this misery. Bloody yeah, we, we should have told one to that NXT UK York taping then, shouldn't we? Yeah, <laughs> I was just had the exact, exact same thought. Where are you? <laughs> if they ever saw again, we're going and we're going with those signs. Let's oh, be yeah. having you. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be there, che- cheering on my boy Ashton. Um, 
Anyway, Young Dragons and Free Count, you, you, did you always enjoy the matches? I did, yes. It's a very good reason why they put these lots together seemingly every other week on Nitro Thunder and every other pay-per-view as well. They did work really well together. You know, the, most of them were still quite new to wrestling, relatively speaking, but... I mean, apart, let's face it, apart from Evan Courageous, we're all really decent cruiserweights, so... Yeah, Courageous, so yeah, Courageous um, is a bit naff, but we managed to work around him, so that's all good. Yeah, so the Young Dragons were... Kazai Yep. Uh, Jamie Noble, boy! And, and Jamie Noble, yeah, yeah. Jamie Noble in a, in a mask, for some reason. In a mask, yeah. It was funny, like, him and um, Hurricane Ells both had a mask on, so it was like that Spider-Man gif. <laughs> The um, had El Dandy and Silver King debut as who were it? Los Fabulosos. I, I remember this it as was, well. Yeah. Yes, it was um, Stacy Keebler's new favourite Mexican team. Mm. Just like Power Rangers as well, if I remember rightly. They were, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember this really weird push of a lot of days of Kevin Sullivan WCW. The um, they faced Lenny and Lodi and actually got the victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say, who are you to doubt El Dandy? <laughs> oh, there's a Bret Hart line, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's the big match-up. We're all waiting for March 22nd, 2000. Mentioned on the last show, the cat versus the dog. Yes. The cat has Virgil as his new assistant. And he's called uh, Mike. Mike Jones, I think he is. Mike Jones, I don't, yeah. I don't get the in-joke there because all of his other names were like cheap shots at WWF personnel, but I don't know who Mike Jones is. If you if you know Ben writing at Mike, GCP Mike, Podcast Mike, 1. Mike, Mike, Mike Jones, he was um, a former midfielder for Berry about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, of course, him, yes. Good midfielder with Steve Schumacher in midfield. Nicky Adams on the right. Andy Bishop <laughs> up the front. Those three two thousand could have done with these, those guys. That's for sure. No, oh, that that was the the best Berry team of um, that that of that era. They, they were always on the piss in Yates's in Berry. Them lot. <sighs> when, when, when I was working over there or mm. over in Berry. Um. Anyway, yeah. Cat versus the dog. He, just had all the in jokes on on commentary. Obviously, Heenan were around, so he he was loving life. Yeah, yeah of course. And uh, I'm glad for some pro cat propaganda and WCW by proving that cats are better than dogs. Thank you very much. Not um dogs. I, dogs I know. Are all the cats. I know. Sorry, I've, I've got to think about my violent time. Oh, you have. You have. Um, we're probably taking a shit in a tray as we speak. Um, one one note I did put here was I just got me thinking Mean Gene was so good as the roving reporter over the years in his in the business Mm, he was well well, obviously that was his specialty anyway but yeah he always made it seem quite oh like legitimate as well Uh, like he was a a legitimate journalist was like you get like backstage interviewers now in like um I mean, Tony Schiavone sort of does the same thing now in AEW, in all fairness, because yeah. he's like a country desk and he's like running around backstage as well. But you get, there's been a lot of eras, especially in like WWE in, in, in the latter days, where it's just like 
people with microphones and we just stood there we ask the same interview question but and it doesn't feel like that they do any other job whereas it always felt like with me and gene like he was like probably like on a phone somewhere trying to get the scoops and like running around doing interviews getting it onto his uh hotline and what was his number one eight oh nine 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 hundred i think it was it was yes something like that yeah yeah Parents call permission. Uh, you uh, kids get your parents' permission for calling like, like one one ninety five in that uh, minute, I think. Oh, just it just come to me then. You know, last last month I mentioned about that NWO swimsuit competition that was happening in the back with me and Jean. Yes. The winner of that, I think it was that Pamela Paul shock. Oh, what? Yes, she appears later on. Yeah. Basically, a pair of boobs with a microphone. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, Gene sort of, I'm not sure if he left the company or if it was just a Vince Russo uh, thinking with his horn or something. Uh, you're just getting in Pamela Paul shock, and yeah, you, you've got that coming up. Yeah. Yeah, you just got me thinking, oh, who were the blonde tits? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't I'm know. Thinking, I'm... Oh, it couldn't, it wasn't like TNA, but. The, was she in TNA? I think she was, weren't she? No, I think you're thinking of... Um... Oh, what was she called? The Roven Reporter there. Yeah. I'm going to look now. I've completely... Goldilocks. Goldilocks, that's Yeah, no, it, 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 she was completely different. Um, Goldilocks is an interesting one. Um, just because if you watch back those old, very early TNA episodes, and if you frame it in a certain way, it's like those episodes, like... Goldilocks was the main character of TNA, and she was like surrounded by a literal asylum. There you go. Yeah. There's a. I'm, 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 that's what I'm going to do my thesis, my PhD in. Goldilocks in TNA. Yeah, Goldilocks in TNA. A a, a a character in like downfall of her sanity or something like that. I don't know. Um. Also on this funder, Hulk Hogan versus Dustin Rhodes in. Um, well, I I, I think uh, Andy suddenly drops out. Been, oh, are we back? Sorry. Yeah, there, there, there will be a couple of dropouts tonight. The reception in Rochdale is a bit shit, if we're being honest. Oh, was someone trying to ring me? Oh, cheeky boys. Go away, Jeff. From work as well. Oh. Not a chance. About to say 20 to 8. Fuck off. Um. Anyway, yeah. yes. Yeah, Hulk, Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Dustin Rhodes. Hmm. First-time match-up. Yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, if it would have never crossed past beforehand. Because Dustin Rhodes is basically out the door, more or less, before when Hogan turned up in 94. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Hogan won this one. Oh, yeah, he, he certainly did. Um, yeah. I mean, this was a, a continued, and doesn't really last for much longer, push to try and make Thunder seem as important as Nitro. Yeah, the um, so with with this, um, Dustin actually clocks um, Hogan with a chicken. Oh, oh yeah, they clocks Hogan and the ref with the uh, cowbell to cause oh, okay. a DQ. Actually, this was a very good match. Like mm. for a ten minute match, crowd were really into it. Mm. Um, yeah, and then. They just had to add on so much of the interference and what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and then I think like Sid appears as well, I think, and yeah. Go on. Yeah, so um, Patrick says, um, oh yeah, so at the end of the match, uh, Pat, Nick, uh, Nick Patrick says, Dustin, um, ain't DQ, but it's fine, $10,000 if he can't get, if he don't get back in the ring. So like 30 seconds later, Dustin gets back in the ring, Hogan, big boot, leg drop, one, two, three, fuck off. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> paid for $10,000, to be honest with you. It's another case of Hogan. Hogan must go over at the end. Mm, it is. He's going through what everyone at the minute, as uh, we're going to get to with the next episode. Yeah, he's so... working with a younger talent, though. That's the important well, thing. He was. Uh, he's putting him over. From the, talent from the flea market, to be honest. Uh, and also, at the end of this episode, Jimmy Hart gets chokeslammed through a table by Sid, just to end the episode. Hogan just runs backstage. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> there you go. Next up, March 27th, 2000 Nitro. The Spring Break edition. Always my favourite uh, Nitro of the year. Who's going in for water this year? I can't wait to find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, always from an aesthetic point of view, it was always great, weren't it? It, 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 I, I thought it looked good as like a nice one-off. And again, AEW were trying to do this obviously before the pandemic with the uh, Jericho Cruise as well. Um, it's just a bit something a bit different, you know, like like an outdoor nitro just just breaks things up a bit. Yeah. The um, the first thing I put here, this is where Kimberly Page um, sort of returns mm. to um, TV. Yeah. Looking very well. I, I will I will say that. More like. Looking swell. Uh... Um, yeah, so um, Kimberly returns. Oh, and then they have the announcement then of Bischoff and possibly Russo returning to head up creative. And it's just the only thing that they go on about mm. all the way through. I, I still don't know how I feel about this because it's very kayfabe breaking. If you... um. Because using the term creative, it does basically sound like, yeah, the show is written, there are writers behind it. I don't know. The way they put it across, I think they could have done a bit better. I'm not sure if they knew yet that if the intention was for Russo and Bischoff to appear on the screen, but I don't know why they couldn't have phrased it of Russo and Bischoff are returning. Mm. Yeah, so this is sort of the way like the commentary sort of goes, it goes a bit too insidery. It does, yeah. Even yeah. from this point onwards, it just seems to be going that way. Yeah. Like, like I said, I think maybe the issue was maybe with they didn't know if Russo was going to get on screen, but, you know, to be fair, he, he tried to get on screen the first time with the uh, Inspector Gadget hand going on. Oh, he did, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Uh, how was that be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was already happy to get on TV, so... Why didn't we just announce, oh, yeah, Bischoff and Russo are coming back. There's going to be pandemonium tuning in two weeks to find out what happens. There's no need to go into, like, the creative side of things. Maybe mm. I, I, I push they could have gone matchmaker or someone like or something like that. But, yeah, I'm not really a fan of when they, like, break kayfabe like that, which means I'm in for a really fun six months coming up. Fucking hell. Mm. Also, also on here, they had uh, Mike Modest 
remember him? I didn't really, because uh, I watched this episode. I thought, fucking hell, I forgot Mike Modest made his uh, an appearance here. Yeah, so uh, Mike Modest faced the artist, and in a surprise, Modest actually pins the artist with the air raid crash, mm. clean as a whistle. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there's, uh, there was uh, Chris Candido and Chava Grove fucking about outside. So if you want another glimpse into uh, what WCW Stampede 2000 would have looked like, I reckon there would have been a four-way cruiserweight match uh, there going on. Yeah, because uh, my body seems to just disappear, like um, Terry's Chocolate Orange, total eclipse. He, <laughs> and I do know this for facts because, funny enough, he appears again on Nitro right towards the end before the, uh, the buyout. I think him and Christopher Daniels face each other at random, and I think he wins there as well, to be fair. Yeah. But like I so say, if you bring in Michael Modest, then you think, oh shit, things are about to change creatively again. Is like the death knell for the current regime. Next up on this episode, here we go. It's so old, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what a fucking pose this one. What, and, uh, what a, what a on, segment. On, on top of like a skyscraper about two miles away, going, and like, if you like squint your eyes, you might be able to make out a crazed man in a white shirt who may do a jump off a building. Well, I'd liken it to that buddy that year when there were all them people in Bridge End who were trying to reenact that. But uh, I digress. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the wall challenging Hogan by doing mm. a choke slam pose. Um, Chris did the uh, sound effects there. Oh. And he was like, it was it was like the Batman signal, and obviously you've got Hogan in the ring going, "That's so all, that's so all, brother." Even Hulk Hogan has creative control over his eyesight. How could he see the wall from there? <laughs> his eyes would be like piss holes in the snow, wouldn't they? It'd probably like you know, in Futurama, when like bend his eyes, like go forward. Like, yeah, it's a bit like that. Um, so next up um, after that great segment was another, you know, very good match. It was Sting and Vampiro, the brothers in paint, versus um, I don't know what we call them, the Golden Oldies. Team that. Package. Team Package. They, they were called Team Package in all fairness to them. Luger and Flair. Yeah, I always remembered this match quite fondly as a kid, and. To be fair, the Sting and Lex Luger bits are still really good fun. It's just basically daft, like a softer version of like the hardcore matches. So they just basically wandered around all of um, spring break, dunking each other's heads in like the potato chips and all that lot. You're just having a lot of fun. I think there's a bit of cake at some point. Yeah, a bit of tomato sauce. There was an actual uh, waiter with the drink coming down yes. with the drinks. So that was funny. And uh, Luger just chucked him in the in in, yeah. in the water. Yes, and, and Luger went into the pool right before that as well. So this year, Luger and the waiter went in the pool. We got two for the price of one this year. Right bargain. Do you remember, the, the, uh, what did I see? Now, Kevin Nash, when he did like a running bomb, like he, did, um, yeah, he, 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 he was like uh, running away from the Giants. Yeah, and he just like, <laughs> you can't jump in here, but I can. Whee! <laughs> uh, 
So uh, actually, in this match, Sting Pal drives Luger in the sea. Yes. Of all things. <laughs> um, if I were rating this on on Grapple, I'm not rated it. If I don't know if it's on there or not, but I go about three and a half on it. It's so good, so much fun. Again, you'll be quite generous. <laughs> I, I I'd go three. It's good fun. The um. The stuff between Flair and Vampiro wasn't really up to much in the ring, but it was no, so it, it was so fleeting. Who cares? It's um, Luger and uh, Luger and Sting having some fun, which we never hardly did in their career. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say it was mainly for Luger and Sting pissing around in the pool and uh, Vampiro and uh, nature, old nature boy. Um, Hogan versus the Wall Brother now. Uh, one million dollars on the line. Uh, this is Hogan's money, isn't it? It's it's uh, f- five hundred thousand from Sid, who's put a bounty on Hulk Hogan's head, and Hogan's gone. Oh fuck it, I'll match it. Like yeah, go go fund me fund or something. Yeah. So um, with this one, and um, the wall actually pops right up from a from a leg drop. Yeah. Uh, but. Which yeah. is good to see because uh, Hogan chokes down the wall and uh, Hogan knows sold it, so it's about time he got one back on him. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, he actually made the wall look quite strong here, but in the end, Hogan doesn't... Um, what's it? He doesn't get pinned because Vampiro interferes to cause a mm. DQ to the wall. Fucking weird. Yeah, because Hogan starts randomly putting over Vampiro um, in his promo earlier on for the That's for Warbles, and I've got no idea what we're going for there. They're really, really, really going to hard on pushing Vampiro, but even Hogan's getting in on the act now. I suppose to get the pin later on on him, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah certainly but, so. Yeah, but this was just odd. Like, it, yeah, so, so, so the wall got kept a bit strong here. I have a bit of a false memory. I thought Hogan pinned the wall here, but no, like I said, it was just Vampiro randomly ran in and that was that. And again, yeah. in a uh, WCW two, a Swing Stampede 2000 card from an alternate universe, Vampiro versus the wall then, I take it. Mm. I wonder wonder what Spring, two, Spring Stampede 2000 non-Russo Bishop would have looked like. I mean, I've, I've been I've been saying some matches, but to be fair, I think if we were like reviewing it right now, I think we'd be on the same level as Super Bowl and Uncensored. Yeah, it was building up to be another really fucking uninspired. Just another Jarrett and Sid. Yeah, or yeah. Sid and Hogan were. Well, it's, it's Sid, Sid and Hogan, and I think Jarrett would have been paired off with DDP because we didn't. We've got to mention actually the DDP promo. You know when Kimberly came out. Yeah. Uh, with not much else on. Yeah, but I'd say they were building towards DDP Jarrett, so that's where Jarrett would have gone to. So, yeah. Yeah, so that were over, like, the US title at the time, wouldn't it? Yes, it would have been. Yeah. So, um, what's it? March 29th, 2000, Thunder, the last one before, um, you know, they do a couple of, like, recap shows, don't they? They do, yeah. They're looking at the greatest moments of WCW and... Look how good it was a couple of years ago. Mm. Look what shit we're going to get into now. <laughs> uh, but but on the March 29th, 2000 Thunder, Bobby Heenan thinks Bischoff and Russo are like oil and water and won't work. Yep. Mystic, Mystic Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was quite obvious it was never going to work. But yeah, Bobby calls it right away. 
Oh, it was actually, you know, because they started interviewing people um, at um, spring breakout in like the second half once they confirmed like Russell and Bischoff were uh, going to be a team. And like Prince Ikea says, it'll be a, dis-. he says something like it'll be an absolute disaster and it'll destroy the company basically. Yeah. And he's just like, oh no, I'm just kidding. The boys dared me to say that. Just like, no, he called it. Prince Ikea's yeah. prediction was 100% accurate. So uh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, there you go uh, with that one. So, so, um, um, so um, on on this actual March 29, 2000 Thunder, and a match from like the old days was on this one. The Barbarian versus Jim Duggan. Correction, WCW television champion Jim Duggan. He found yeah, that, yeah, found still champion. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Duggan actually won here with the old glory knee drop. Jim Duggan winning matches in 2000. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, he had a US title match on this one. It was Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T. Mm. Um, what do you think happened here, Chris? Was it for the title? Yes, it was US title. Booker wins by DQ. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Harris boys come in. Oh, those fucking jabronis again. Uh. Yeah, so Harris boys got involved. Um, J- Jarrett hits Booker with the belt, but only gets two. Then Booker hits the bookend. But the Harris boys, once again, get involved um, to cause the DQ. They just couldn't stay away then, could they? No. Booked everywhere, shite. Yeah. So, what we're going to do now is just take a small break and um, going to get into the April 10th version of Nitro from Denver, Colorado. And we're back in the room. Um, we, we we have took a bit of a toilet break and uh, answering answering emergency calls, uh, but there you go. These things happen during uh, recordings of a wrestling podcast, don't they, Chris? They do indeed. Yes, yeah. And and speaking of toilet breaks, back to WCW two thousand. So the April tenth Nitro, the start of the Russo Bischoff era. Yeah. I keep wanting to call it the Rusoff Rusoff Bischoff. Rusoff <laughs> Bischoff. Um, so we have the whole roster in the ring here. Mm. Um, so Shivani, Mark Madden, and Scott Hudson are on commentary. One fit one of my notes here is, you know that that's supposed to be the new blood in the ring. Yes. What the what the fuck are Brian Nobbs and Van Hammer doing in that ring? I know. And Van, and Van Hammer making his entrance with the stars, you know, like a like a battle royal, <clears throat> where you have a, the entrance already in the ring, and then yeah. you have a couple a couple of entrances after. I, so I, they're I, like Scott Steiner, Booker T, Jeff Jarrett, like Van Vampiro, Hammer. Kidman, Van. Ha- I think Van Hammer's been naughty and he's stayed back a bit, and as he and oh, I'm a, I'm a bit late. I'll walk out with the stars. Whoops. Yeah. I, 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 then Dino, this is why he decides to like position himself at the front as well, so he's like seen by everyone. Yeah, 
this very much say, oh, look at me, please book me. I'm relevant. Yeah. It's, it's so out of place. Does he get used during this era? He is in MIA for about... Oh, yeah, minutes. he is, yes. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. As I think he's supposed to be major stash or private stash. But, uh, but there's a story there that he was supposed to be... I can't remember the order for rankings, and he's supposed to be one, but he complained about it because, despite the fact that the joke worked better, it would be lower ranked than his other stable mates. So he actually complained about it. What a prick. That's um, the biggest marks of them all. They are. So I guess the major stash, private stash, was because he um, he, he kept a stash of drugs or something. Because drugs, yes. When in doubt, drugs. Ha, 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 ha. Um, so here we are. Here's Russo for the first time on camera, but we did mention he had like um, an inspe- inspector gadget hand. Yeah. Evil Dr. Claw sort of hand he had uh, going on in late 1999, and that was his voice. But yeah, here he is in person, in, in the flesh, for the first time since he was like a background character sometimes on like the WWF Livewire. But certainly, this is the first time he's appeared in WCW. Yeah. So um, with, with this, uh, Russo comes out complaining about the politics already. Hmm. This was a famous Russo thing, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I don't know. It, it seemed sort of exciting at the time, but when you go back and listen to the content, you know, he's complaining about the good old boys network that were all holding him back. But from a kayfabe point of view, when he was the kayfabe powers that be, he was really successful at what he was trying to achieve by bringing back the NWO and all this lot. So what he did there worked. So now what he's doing is basically breaking the fourth wall by talking about all these politics. But 90% of the people in that arena, maybe even 95% because it's like 2000, they've got no idea what the fuck he's on about. And if, if, like, if you listen to the crowd as well, like a few of them are just like, shut up and, you know, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because even like the internet back then was still relatively new, I would say. It was- it was very niche. I mean, in this day and age, the vast majority, I'd say it's like now like 95%, if not more, are all aware of what goes on behind the scenes in WWF and hence why, you know, or, and AEW, hence why like it's turned on it, uh, put storylines to create success. Whereas back then, it's such a niche thing. You know, you're talking about trying to attract um, fans who like know about dirt sheets and all that lot. And again, you know, the dirt sheets did well back in the day, but you're talking about, like, what, 5,000 people worldwide that read those sorts of things? Mm. Yeah. So it, it, it just would have been stuff like AOL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, back, back, back then, Alta Vista. Yeah, the, the uh, what was it called? The Yaris uh, PW forums and whatever. Yeah. And I do remember on, the, on this April 10th Nitro, because it was like a big thing, I remember printing off the results um, in like the IT room at high school. Mm. I, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and the head teacher coming past, um, what we call Dr. Mortimer coming past and saying, that's not really, I think you're a picture of a Nitro girl or something. <laughs> So I was caught in the app, printing the results off and looking at Nitro Girls during dinner time. Excellent. Best use of your time, early. 
I had a uh, contrasted experience because they published the results of this Nitro on, I think it was CNN's teletext. Right. For some reason, and I looked at the results and they were really fucking weird because obviously it's all like tournament format, but they didn't give any context to what uh, what was going on. It just like had D- it had um, like sticking two matches, DDP in two matches, like. It's like, well, what's going on here then? But yeah, I'll say, yeah, I, I, this was the only time I ever got spoiled for an episode of Nitro because I found it all on Teletext. So, um, yeah, Bischoff out now to hug Russo. Mm. Um, Which was a swerve in itself. The big yeah. thing towards it was, oh, it's going to be Russo versus Bischoff. So straight, straight away, classic Russo booking, go against well, expectation, even though... The, uh, what would have been the alternative was a far superior option, but nope, going to have them both together, I guess. Yeah. And um, so he's basically says, oh, like, well, the millionaires club and who, whoever's got the belts, well, especially Sid, has to give up the belts. Jarrett being one of them as well with the US title. Yeah. Uh, Bischoff actually went up to uh, to Sid um, to get, get the belt himself. And he just he just sort of like gold city of saying, mm. uh, "Where's your scissors, Sid?" What's one of Sid? Can't find your scissors. Can't find your scissors, Sid. Hmm? Can't find your scissors. <laughs> like everyone's going, ah, oh, yes, back to that stabbing incident in Blackburn in nineteen ninety three. Of course, great reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just throwing shit out there. All the fans will know all this stuff. That they're smart and. No. He couldn't give a shit. He really couldn't. Um, fucking hell. Um, well, well, it, did, it, it did divide what? the line though, right away. In all fairness, so despite all the bollocks that was said, immediately we've got the Millionaires Club. It's like Sid Luger, DDP, Sting, Hogan, Flair, and then you've got a Millionaires Club, which is basically everyone else, regardless of age, because again, you've got the likes of Lee St- Scott Steiner in the uh, new blood as well which uh, you know i think he was already pushing like 39 at this point yeah it, to be honest scott steiner felt like a fresh, like one of the fresher acts didn't he mm, he did i mean it, it was a, a big turnaround compared to what he used to be like but he's not he's been around since at least the early 90s so it was like the likes of booker t you know some mm. of them have been there as long as like almost as long as luger so it's yeah very strange how we determined Basically, they went for all the former heavyweight champions and then the non-champions. That would have been a better way to phrase it, I think, but never went for this whole new blood sort of thing. Yeah, so um, they said they announced a mini-tournament for the number one contendership um, for the, for a match with, for, with Jarrett at the pay-per-view for the world title. Um, so you start off with um, Luger versus DDP. Which again. One thing I will say, I mean, I know they did the whole thing about level playing field, but already there's like flaws in this booking logic. It's like, okay, so if you want to shut up a millionaire's club, why are you doing a tournament with the millionaire's club to see which one of the millionaire's club goes against the new blood guy? Yeah, just you saw a, a new blood guy and a tournament for new blood guys. Just shut the rest of them out and let, you know, they've got to try and work their way back in somehow. It makes no sense. Yeah, sort of like cut the head off the snake, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah, and and the long-term story is that how do the likes of DDP get back in the title picture again? You know, they've got to like go to extreme lengths to you know get 
get them to like give in to their demands. We're just like, oh no, we'll let the, the Millionaires Club have a tournament to decide who's going to wrestle Jarrett anyway. Very, very yeah. strange. Um, so with this one, actually, Buff Bagwell interferes, causing a distraction to Luger. Mm. But it, it turns into Buff chatting up Kimberly and Elizabeth. Um, so in the oh, end, yes. it... sex past Buff continues from uh, was, the, yeah, the yeah. old era. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it ends up DDP diamond cutting uh, Lex uh, and advances to the uh, final. Mm. Um, after, after this as well, Tank Abbott, our mate again, um, cuts a promo promo calling out Goldberg. But instead of getting a Goldberg, he then proceeds to go to the announce desk and batter Mark Madden. Good lad. Yeah, takes his shirt off and everything. Batters the shit out of him. I always liked Tank Abbott. I've never I, said otherwise. It, it was funny, like Mark Madden, I think he turned up on the pay-per-view with a giant black eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I say this is the best thing Mark Madden ever did in his whole career. One thing I put here was the um, in the space of thirty-five minutes, there was about twenty segments. Mm. Oh, this is there was the, no breathing. I mean, I, as an opening chapter, I think this is fine, but this is the definition of crash TV. They're trying to establish so many things really quickly in a, a sort of ADHD way to try and make people stay tuned into it. Because mm. I, I will say now, this episode of Raw, I think, is a really effective first chapter. You know, there's, the, the wrestling's just not there at all, but that's not the point of this sort of episode of Nitro. But I think they do an overall decent job at setting up all the uh, chess pieces going forward. Yeah. Um, we have Billy Kidman cut, uh, cutting a promo against Hulk Hogan. Mm. Um, Kidman couldn't draw in a flea market. I don't, that's, that's the famous quote in it. Yeah, which has anyone ever actually found Hogan saying that? Because it was reported on a radio show. I'm, I'm stealing a point from a lapsed fan, by the way. I, I apologize. Yeah. Um, there's actually no audio document, uh, archived audio that actually says that Hogan even said that. So they've created this big feud out of comments that might have not even been correct in context. It's really bizarre. Yeah. Um, so it ends up with like Hogan and Kidman getting in a scrap. Mm. Um, the other thing, sorry, I'll say as well, yeah. is already Kidman is not the right person for this role. When he's so he, out of place, doesn't he? When he cuts a promo, he sort of he's so crap at cutting promos. It's weird. The air goes out the room when, when he speaks. And like he doesn't have any bass to his voice, he's got that nasally whine uh, to it, and just you can hear a pin drop because he's absolutely just shocking. Fantastic wrestler, don't get me wrong. I always really like Kidman in ring, but promo wise, well out of his league. This was far too big a step. Yeah, he um, just like Ogan was wrestling a child. Yes, it was. Yeah, because considering Hogan is like what at this point in his career about two hundred and seventy pounds, and and Kidman's like barely two hundred, and that and that could even be a kayfabe weight as well on Kidman's behalf. It was so mismatched, and I take, I mean, I take it because the whole point of these feuds is like they're trying to like pair up a millionaire with like their younger equivalent. So like obviously like Buff Bagwell feuds with like Luger, and you'll get like her feuding with Sean Stasiak and all that lot. 
I don't get why they didn't pair up Hogan with Scott Steiner. I take that would it, have been I, more interesting. Yeah. I take it it's more politic thing because you talk about like the guy who with his twenty-four inch pythons uh, versus the guy who's probably got even bigger arms with him. You know, they're both blonde and and they're trying to like make Hulk Hogan into essentially a character. And I think someone like Scott Steiner, who's already quite edgy to the point where he always gets into trouble, would have been a much much better fit for this. And I've got no idea why we went with Kidman instead, apart from some. Bullshit comments that were on the internet and Vince Russo read about it in Wrestling Observer. I really don't get it. Yeah. Uh, so, in the end, like Hogan gets chair shotted um, by Bischoff, uh, which mm. busts him open. Yeah. This is the um, one where he's wearing a white t shirt as well. Mm. In, in, in wrestling, if you're wearing a white t shirt, there, there will be blood on that t shirt by the end of the night. Yeah. So, um, it, it, it well, I don't think it were really. A, it shouldn't have been a match, but it, what's it? Kidman pins Hogan. Um, it was fun. It was funny with the um, the chair shot and that. Old Hogan like fidgeting around in his pocket for a blade. Yeah, and going all over his forehead. Yeah, amazing. Ah oh, dear. Um, so as well as well here we have um, well after this. Scott Steiner um, with with Ric Flair in like a segment where Scott Steiner gets some false teeth out yes. and does an impression of Ric Flair. That was funny and all fair. So yeah, fan, absolutely fantastic stuff. I never thought Steiner had this in him. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, in all fairness, like a lot of day WCW, like Scott Steiner was my favourite character by far. In like the last, well, from about now until the end, you know. He, he is really good, and and yeah, about saying, look forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, um, but in the end, in this segment, it ends up with your ass is going to get franchised. Shane Douglas coming out to attack Ric Flair to um, finally get um, an answer to that eight-year feud that he wanted to have with Ric I mean, Flair. Fucking don't encourage Shane Douglas like that, for fuck's sake. It's an absolute shithouse to begin with. So, like, I mean, I've, I've, I take people listen to this know this anyway, but Shane Douglas basically spent eight years cutting out Ric Flair in ECW where they couldn't do anything with a feud or anything like that. So it'll be the equivalent of, like, me, you know, just doing, like, this rest of this podcast with you. But let's face it, you know, I'm very much small fry in, like, this whole community thing. It'll be like me trying to, like, call, like, John Pollock or someone like that. Yeah. Like, like, John Parker has no idea who I am, and I'm just going to start calling him out. It doesn't fucking work like that. You've got to get some sort of prestige and equivalency first before you start doing stuff like that. But Shane Douglas has been rewarded uh, by Vince Russo for some pure carny bollocks. Yeah. Um, it'd, be, it'd be funny if John Pollock did, he, did even see your Bill videos. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He, he wouldn't even get him anyway. He's Canadian, isn't he? I'll see if they didn't get the bill over in Canada. Well, I don't know when we met Sugar Dunkerton that time when we did that podcast with him. I said, oh, that's him. Chris, who did all the uh, bill videos. Oh, my God, I've seen those. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, yeah. <laughs> I never knew but Bill travelled so well, in all fairness. Yeah. Did it, did it, did So, um, also... After this segment, fucking hell, this is a 
packed show. Uh, Brett Hart is in the audience thinking, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That'd be for stroke talking. Oh, no. So, yeah. Like, yeah. So, for post-concussion thinking, oh, it's probably thinks he's sat at home, probably. Um, Sting versus Sid in the other semi-final now, uh, which ends with the Wall brother mm. um, walloping Sid. And uh, Sting wins, and then Wall choke slams Sid through a table. Uh, this would have been a good combo. Sid goes off injured, so we never really have a match together, I don't think, with all Wall and Sid. But in terms of pairing up, in my opinion, perfect. I think this was a, a decent idea. When does Sid... Sid don't come back till... When does he come back? He comes back properly in December, but he does make one appearance in about six weeks' time after after he gets written out this week in WSW, where he turns heel and joins for New Blood. Then he goes away and is never... Yeah, no, it does actually happen. And then he's never mentioned again until he returns. Bloody hell. So look forward to that one as well. So... Uh, we have Flair calling out Shane Douglas and wants a match later on. You have Hogan chucking settees around backstage and uh, <laughs> chucks two-thirds of free count into a garage door. Um, oh, there was quite a few segments like this where Hogan were just rambling shit in the back, chucking furniture around. Yeah, he was um, extremely angry on that night. You have, um, what's it, Kurt Ennig's match where... Sean Stasiak interrupts and Scott Hudson said, he used to be meat on the WWF. Well, everyone's chanting, meat, 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 meat. meat. Yep, that's him dead in the water. Yeah, so um, it was the case with like the commentary. They'd always like dropping WWF lines and they couldn't help themselves. Um, mm, This is a weird one because it's always been a thing where you don't reference the competition, but I've never had that much of a problem with it. I think the problem comes in when you reference it to make it sound superior to your product, which WCW did quite a lot, which was their main problem, really. And TNA. Yeah. It was like if you were... There was like one time when uh, Jarrett, when he defected back over in October 99, and he said, bloody hell, he was like wrestling for WWF last night. That sort of thing's good because it makes it look like, you know, Oh, he, this product's so hot, he's jumped ship like literally the next night to come join us. But when you're like going, oh, yeah, about say things were much better in WWF and all that lot, which does happen a lot in this era, and you make yourself look second rate as a result, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. So um, you have Ric Flair versus Shane Douglas on this show. Uh, Russo causing the DQ as he twats Flair with a baseball bat, mm. and then Russo nicks Ric Flair's watch. I don't get why Vince Russo hates Ric Flair in 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 kayfabe and character. He just decides more, in his opening promo he's going to target Ric Flair. It's okay. more Bischoff, isn't it? Who, yeah. who date Flair because they yeah, had yeah. the thing in uh, 98-99. Yeah, yeah, but like for some reason Russo just targets Flair. I take it there's like some sort of unmentioned reference to like some sort of phone call that happened over creative stuff. You know when Ric Flair went away in '99 and yeah. I don't get why Vince Russo's getting involved whatsoever, but okay. So, after this, uh, Kevin Nash, he had been attacked by Mike Awesome. Uh, Mike Awesome, who'd, um, 
I think you dropped it before the ECW title or dropping nope. it on the Thursday, weren't it? He was ECW champion uh, when he came in here. He was actually going to appear with the belt, but uh, Paul Heyman got an injunction to stop that book from happening because he was going to do like home juice to throw it in the bin sort of thing. Uh, but uh, Heyman got word in the nick of time. And I think Orson drops it to Taz at an ECW show. Taz and yeah, Taz in old WWF about four days later, uh, as you said. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, this was another cracking debut in all fairness. It's a great debut, but then you see two weeks after and Mike Orson just feels like another guy, which we'll uh, get into. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but I'd say that's the problem. They just didn't have a plan for him. And I'd say, because I don't think Orson and Nash faced each other either. I don't think Nash was interested in having that match, so no. they're in water. So um, it cuts to the back again. Hulk Hogan on his phone to his lawyer saying he wants to eat Bischoff's ass. Weather folks is boat. Cut the cut the cut the camera. Um a white hummer from last summer rams Hogan's limo. Yeah, like I said, the the commentators say, not the white hummer from last summer, it's Bishop behind the wheel. Mm. Um so this ends with um Hogan on a stretch and Kimman spraying um new blood on Hogan's chest. I can't believe that people have always taken it as like continuity, but it was Bischoff in the 1999 that kept driving into people. The White Hummer, they got some use out of that thing, didn't they? They did, yeah. I wonder if it was the same one every time. But yeah, if I say, yeah, they just uh, decided to randomly destroy like a probably a $50,000 limo randomly on, on Nitro here. Yeah. And, and it. Keeps Bish, uh, keeps Hogan out of action for a whole six days, so it's definitely worth it. Worth every penny. <laughs> um, so at the end of this show, you what a patch show. Sting versus DDP in the final of the number one contenders. Um, ends with uh, Vampiro turning on Sting with uh, DDP distracted with Jarrett. Um, DDP then pins uh, Sting with a diamond cutter to face Jarrett. Mm. at the pay-per-view and then it, the show ends finally with Jeff Jarrett cl- uh, clocking Kimberly with a guitar after the match yes they, that was yeah, yeah that was it it was a weird you know I say it, uh, as an introductory show I thought I think it's actually quite a really good show just obviously from a wrestling point of view it's non-existent <laughs> yeah it's just a lot but I certainly remember watching this as a 12-year-old, being really fucking excited to watch Thunder uh, afterwards. Yeah, yeah so it, it did its job, in all fairness. See, it got me excited for what was to come. Yeah. Um, so April 12, 2000, Thunder. This is the um, last TV episode before the pay-per-view. You have David Arquette in the crowd. Oh. <laughs> More on him soon. <laughs> So you have um, Shivani, Tinay, and Heenan on commentary. Right, um, the good, the good. Yes, I about say, about say the decent commentary team. Why didn't we have these on Nitro instead? Yeah. So um, on this, a lot of three-on-one matches. So you have Sid versus the Harlem Heat 2000. Um, it, well, Cash actually got a huge boot in here. He seemed quite agile, to be fair. He took a couple of really good bumps, and he did a um, 
big splash. He did, he did a big splash as well. And yeah, I say he, I don't know why they'd rather have him. He never wrestled, as far as I'm aware, but he knew how to bump. So I'm, I'm very straight, surprised they never had him do a couple of matches. Mm. Um, Sid actually kicked out of the big splash and uh, ends up with Booker coming in to um, cost Harlem Heat. Sid powerbomb Steve Ray to, to get the win. Yeah. They end up with like the new blood being unhappy with Booker T. Mm. But um, then in comes Bischoff to reverse the decision. So, because this was like a qualifying match for Sid's being the US title it tournament. Was, yeah. And Bischoff was just like, oh no, uh, Booker interfered. Nope, sorry, you're not in the tournament. Bye. And, Bye. That's, the, and that's the last time we see Sid bar one appearance until November. Did you notice in this in this match though the wall actually attacks Sid after the bell with a chair, but the camera cuts away straight away to Bischoff, and yeah. and then when they go back, it's just for some reason Harlem Heat are walking to the back with the wall, and they don't even mention why the wall were <laughs> wall were there. A, a bit of the old uh, post production edit going on there, a bit, a bit of a mess in all fairness. When when, when uh, someone asks where's Poochie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so you have Kidman actually attacking Jimmy Hart, who mm. wanted answers from Bischoff um, about like the Hogan attack. Um, there's like women's action on the show, Medusa versus Kimberly. Yeah. Um, there's one point I want to because you've yeah. skipped by it. So this there's a six-way Colorado collision match. Ah, yes. There's one point I want to make on this one, which is you've got Kidman in his big feud with Hulk Hogan. He's white hot, you know, he's going to be the next big thing. Getting pinned in a minute from a belly-to-back suplex on Scott Steiner. Pinned like a sack of crap out the ring, the match continues on. What was it, like a, like a gauntlet? Well, um, it was a Royal Rumble, so people coming in every minute, but there was only six people, and everyone kept taking each other out before the next century and came in anyway. It's oh, like, right. the Book of the World were both like double DQs, which is fair enough. Uh, if a cat mate was made to look like an idiot, which is fair enough, but yeah, Steiner pins Kidman, and then Vampiro, another one, they give this huge push to. In all fairness, Sting does come in and do the Scorpion Death Drop on him, but that's literally the one move, and Vampiro's pinned within 30 seconds of the match. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, v- rough and and already you know your next your next big things in Kidman and Rey Mysterio you know and not Rey Mysterio uh, Vampiro um, yeah job like sacks of crap within a minute yeah what's the point well the point is Medusa versus Kimberly uh, yeah. which ends when um, Ma- uh, Ma- ends when DDP pulls. Um, like Medusa off and um, Medusa kicks back and <laughs> gets diamond cutted um, for her troubles. Mm. Uh, fun fact uh, they didn't show the diamond cut on the original broadcast. Uh, what we saw is a WWE inserting footage back in ah. because because of strict uh, non uh, male versus female, female violence on TBS. Right. It'd be very similar nowadays, isn't it? Um, I assume so, yeah. I mean, obviously, AEW's never crossed that path, really, but yeah. Yeah. And they had another three-on-one match, the Los Villanos versus Sting. So, um, Sting Sting pins two of them, mm. but who is the third Villano? 
That's that's why they all fought. They, not who was the third man. Yeah. Who was the third Villano? <laughs> Lo and behold, who was it, Chris? The Cho 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 chosen one. Wow, wow, wow. Oh no, in the WWE Network version. Wow, wow. Dreadful bomb chicka whack whack. <laughs> I've, um, I've got another uh, fun fact about this match as well. Uh, again, I'm, I'm surprised WWE have actually saved WWE's bushes by fixing this. In the original broadcast, due to an editor never. They showed the replay of the end of the match two segments before the match took place. All right. So they actually spoiled the ending because, uh, but due to an editing fuck up, it got shown one DDT digest. Now, actually, I think it was shown uh, just after like a three way hardcore match. Yeah, about say they just completely fucked that one up. But for some reason, the uh, WWE Network have been quite kind to WCW here, which is very rare for them. Um, so with um, well this Villano's thing, so um, Arca and DDP get laid out by Jarrett. However, Canyon comes out to save him, but Bischoff lays him out with a chair. Bisch- mm. Bischoff's like the uh, the number one bad guy in this promotion. Yeah, move aside, Sean Spears. Here's the real chairman. Yeah. So straight away, like two shows in, they're establishing Russo and Bischoff. Of the, yeah, of the, of the main kneels. Not not none of you wrestlers, the two non-wrestlers who um, can't stay away from the camera. Say it's not very new blood. It's Russo and Bischoff versus the Millionaires Club. Yeah, it, it already feels like that. But what you can't say is um, that this TV wasn't wasn't entertaining because sometimes you couldn't keep up with it and the amount of notes I made just on the TV for them last two shows just mm. ridiculous plenty more where that came from you've got about eight eight episodes of time to get before, before you get to a pay-per-view and those are loaded with about 20 segments per segment so yeah I'll, I'll have to get another notebook at this rate uh, but hey we shall see Shall we get into the pay-per-view anyway? With twenty-seven, yes. with twenty-seven percent left on my phone. Oh, nice! Uh, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll um, fit it all in before my phone dies. You say so, that we've got fourteen matches here. Eh? All we have. Um, so Spring Stampede, April 16, two thousand, two hours, thirty-eight minutes, and twenty-one seconds. As ever, a great time, as we mentioned on every show. Shivani Hudson and old fat boy on commentary with his black eye. Yep. As we go into match number one now. Now let's see how our ratings differ this time. Um, not hopefully not as wild as last time, Chris. I'm very very interested here. Yeah, I'm very very interested because the wrestling style suddenly changed quite a bit as well compared to even last month. Wrestling moves so, are, going to, are becoming slowly becoming incidental to wrestling matches in WCW. It's a prop and all that. <laughs> um, so, match number one is part of the tag team tournament. It's the Mamelukes. Hey, pies arms, hey. Good theme tune, that one. Yeah. Uh, versus Ric Flair and Lex Luger. Hold on. It's a freeway match, player, player, holler, hover, bro. Um, 
who are the third team? Just fuck off. It's our, it's our good friends, the Harris boys. Great. Fantastic. Two tall, bald lads with Nazi tattoos. Fun. So, so did this match turn into a four-on-two match or a, a three-way t- I've got no idea. All over the show. The way it's presented, it's supposed to be far on two, and I don't think the Mamluks and Harris boys actually fight each other at any point. But I think the way it's like written out on like a tournament bracket thing, it's a three-way. Yeah, because uh, as well, the Harris boys and the Mamluks, as we reviewed on the last show, obviously different era, but they were at each other's throats. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll say they absolutely couldn't uh, stand each other and now they're on the same team. Can they coexist? Bloody well hope not. So, this one, um, Luger ends up racking Johnny the Bull for the win mm. and easily beats um, everyone. Yeah. There's a lot of um, kicking and punching in this one. In all fairness, they managed to... Basically, it's basically uh, two sets of two-on-one situations going on at the same time, and I think they actually manage it quite well, all things considering... It's not a wrestling classic match by any stretch of imagination, as we'll very much describe over this pay for you. It's loads of just kicking and punching with a couple of moves here and there. That's about it. But I think they did a decent job here, in all fairness. What's the um, star rating, Chris? I mean, decent in a one and a half star sort of way, but... 1.5 from me as well. Hey, here we go. The stars are finally aligning. Um, I'll, I'll, what, what, what's the uh, rating scale you do on cinema or turds in it? In turds and popcorns. So it's about how, oh. let's say, how, how shit it is from a technical point of view and then how good it is from an entertaining point of view. Yeah, so, and, 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 and in our opinion, the best films are absolutely shit, but we absolutely love them. WCW 2000 then, Chris? Correct, absolutely. This is pure cinema turds and popcorns fodder. Well, there's plenty of shit in match number two now as Jimmy Hart faces Mankow, who was a, a Chicago um, shock jock. Yeah. Also was in Little Nicky. Oh, yeah, they mentioned him on commentary, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. yeah another one of these really untalented but really privileged sort of assholes that doesn't know anything but they've got an opinion on everything and they somehow make millions of dollars out of it he's the Piers Morgan of his day then basically yeah he's off that ilk he's sort of off that bloody what's his face from Info Wars sort of ilk as well and all the rest they yeah. can all fuck off the bloody alt-right twats um, li- little Nicky anyway um, that was when Adam Sandler were on a bit of a downslope after Epic Gilmore and all them Little Nicky, if I remember rightly, represents the beginning of the end of Adam Sandler. He's only made two good films since then, if I remember rightly. Two? The one with Jennifer Aniston. No, I don't think it was that one. Is that? Click? No, I didn't like it. No, I mean, my mind are probably pretentious choices anyway. A punch drunk love that he was in was really good. And Uncut Gems a couple of years ago, that was excellent as well. It was all right. right in that. 
I thought you would have liked uh, 51st Dates with uh, <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Good hell. film, that. 51st Dates, are you? No. Anyway, J- Jimmy Hart brings out um, Hale, who looked a, a type of wrestler, Mr. Uh, Crystal and A had love. He did, yeah. yeah. Big, I was thinking, I was thinking at first, is this um, buddy um, Ian Harrison or what he was called? No, it wasn't. It was the other big lad that got pushed next WF. Yes. Um, it was. It, well, I think he was called Hale there, and then he went on to become Lord Humongous before dying in 2003. From being too humongous, don't do steroids, kids. Yeah, so uh, one of Mankow's mates is called... Turd. Turd. Yes. And at one point, one, when uh, Hale does a bit and he throws uh, Mankow onto everyone, Scott has to make a call that we've just wiped out Turd. It was the yeah. best call that was made all night. The, oh, God, uh... Not 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 WCW 2000, but on NXT 2.0 this week, uh, Brooks and Jensen were in like the way the, like the um, trainers room, and uh, I think it's Brooks who's um, injured his right hand, mm-hmm. and the trainer was saying, "Oh, you'll be you'll be fit fit and ready in about six to eight weeks." But can I ask why is your right hand the strongest hand? So they were making like a wanking joke. Yeah. In 2022, WWE. Jim Smallman, you've done it again. My friends. <laughs> and and they're making uh, uh, Gibson and Drake into two goth druids, supposedly, with uh, Joe Gacy. Oh. Right. Okay, I, I thought they were doing that other gimmick that seemed to work quite well. What, uh, nicking cars and being uh, the stereotype of being a scouser? I mean, if it works, but yes. Druid lads. Right, okay. They've got a fascination with goth druids and dark stuff and purple lighting. Can someone please change Bruce Pritchard's heart medication for, I know, arsenic or something so we can get over his bollocks and maybe put on a more mature product or something? Jesus Christ. Well, um, back to Mankow and Jimmy Hart now. And... uh, Jimmy Hart actually um, hits a top rope splash, which like it's like one of them where you sort of jump off your own bed and sort of like slide <laughs> to do the finish of the splash. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I know. I know. I used to do that back in the day when I was about seven year old, trying to jump on our Jeff. <laughs> Poor Jeff. <laughs> like fr- frog frog splash from one bed to the other. No one would be moved out as soon as he could. Fucking dead right. What are you bloody <laughs> doing up there? Um, <laughs> um, in the end, Mankow hits Jimmy with a chair. One, two, three to get the victory. Mankow wins. Chris, I've got a one-word description for this match. Is it the same one on your, on, on your scorecard? I don't think it is, to be fair. What is the one word? Oh, you mean mine's two words, I think. Um, I put shite. Nah, enjoyable trash. Enjoyable <laughs> trash? Oh, I know. It was one and three quarter stars. Fuck off. I know. 
I, I can't because I always remember this being shit, but when I watched it for, to do this, I, I, I just found it really entertaining. Well, like, yeah. you, you know, like um, like uh, them doing a call, like, catfight, catfight, because that's what it was. It was just, like, basically two people who shouldn't be in a ring rolling around a bit. And, yeah, but I found this really entertaining. I can't believe it. 0.25. Oh dear, is this going to replace Raven and Saturn in the highly uh, questionable matches now, is it? I think it is, I think it is, mate. Oh dear. Um, match number three, the wall, brother. Sorry if we keep saying that all the time, but it's still a great segment. But that is the wall, brother. It is the wall, brother. This is Scott Steiner, who comes out to his old Scott Steiner music on the network, but it's probably not his real entrance theme. No, he did come out to us in reality. If he hadn't come up with a Simon theme yet, I don't think they do until about June or July. No, no, about say this is not a dub, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't um, suit him at all now, but you know, not a dub. What, what what did you think of this match? On paper, it sounded good. On paper, it did. There wasn't really anything going on then, though. Um, apart from like a couple of like suplexes for basically quickly as quickly as um go out onto the outside to do the table thing with a referee it wasn't very much of a match in all fairness no so it's over uh, within like two minutes or something like that yeah so steiner sort of like chucks the ref into a blinded wall i think he got poked in the higher summer yeah um who then ends, ends up chokes i'm in the ref through a table to mm. cause the dq i did yeah. i did put a bit of a cheap way out of things it was. I mean, they did say at the beginning of the show there won't be... Well, they've relaxed the disqualification rule, but to be fair, they did say it doesn't mean a complete... It doesn't mean completely no DQs. And they, I thought they did quite well, actually, in establishing that the line to get a DQ in WCW. And certainly for this pay-per-view, was to put a referee through a table. It's like most extreme end of things. So I think that in, in doing that job, they actually did it well. Because then, you know, you can watch the rest of the show and think, well, that's not as bad as putting a referee for a table, you know. So, mm. I was, I mean, I, I would have wanted more of a match from here. But in terms of more establishing, perfectly fine. Wasn't a match, though, half a star for me. Yeah, so, um, star and a quarter for me. Mm. Okay, I, I, I've gone the other way here. Yeah, half a star. Started off all right, but, yeah. It, it, with the rules, it's very much a relaxation, like similar to what ICW used to do a yeah. lot of. Didn't really have DQs or what have you. Um, match number four now. Well, Mike Orson versus a cat. But, however, the cat is nowhere to be seen as Bam Bam Bigelow inserts himself in the match, which came from like um, a backstage promo. Yeah, yeah. So a like very a- shouty promo. Yeah, so like awesome, um, Mike Awesome attacks Bam Bam Bigelow after a promo. So then Bam Bam Bigelow attacks the cat, and then Bigelow takes the cat's place in the tournament. Yeah. But then outcomes of the cat at the end, which we'll get into very shortly. But yeah, so it's as it stands, Mike Awesome versus Bam Bam Bigelow to begin with. QVCW chance. Yes. Um, to be honest, on one of my notes here, I thought the Bigelow Awesome exchanges were actually good. And then yes. the cat spoils it all. I agree. Um, to jump ahead to my star rating, it's two stars for Awesome and Bigelow for the time that they had. 
uh, reduced by half star because of the bollocks with the cat at the end. Awesome and Bigelow was actually really good for like the three or four minutes that we had, and I wish I could have saw more of it. In all fairness, yeah, I, I went two stars as well. Um, yeah, because like awesome, awesome awesome's like jumping on the outside all that lot, like Bigelow's beating the shit out of awesome. It's sort of like what we really want to see, and yeah. Shame about the fucking cat coming in. And even the commentators bury him saying, why the fuck is he dancing in the middle of a United States title tournament? The fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, what's it? The cat come, came in, super kicks Bigelow, and then the cat gets on the mic and says, play my music. And I was just thinking, boom, 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 so it actually ends um, awesome clothesline and the big top rope splash, great splash um, to the cat to get the victory. Two stars. Mm. Yeah, two. I saw it. I'll stick with me. The cat coming in reduces for match quality, but I'll stick my two stars actually. Yeah, I'll go for that. Match number five now Harlem Heat 2000, Stevie Ray and Big T, Ahmed Johnson versus. Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas. Douglas, even. Mm. Um, shit. Yeah, this was a really fucking weird match. I, thinking about it, I don't know why Harlem Heat weren't in the Mamelukes' place in the opener. And the Mamelukes, as a more natural face team, weren't in this match instead. But what we get here instead is... Um, Basically, it was Shane Douglas, wasn't it? Basically, managing to fend off like all three guys, you know, including Cash. You got Jay Biggs as well, mm. uh, and and they just sort of like they they get the win, but no reaction whatsoever. And yeah, this just match did not work whatsoever. I don't know what they were thinking about with this one. Yeah, so Douglas actually got the win here with the um, vertical suplex in about under under four minutes. Uh, yeah, it's only, only because he couldn't hook Steve Ray's chunky leg for Pittsburgh plunge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, two, two bad guy teams. Crowd couldn't care less. No. Um, Ahmed Johnson's nose plaster was flapping in the wind during this match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the second most famous nose plaster wearer since um, Robbie Fowler. <laughs> It, it certainly didn't help with Ahmed's breathing here. He was fucking blowing out of his ass. Mm. He was fucking ass. Yeah, the guy's just knackered. And if this was a two-minute match as well, and he's not certainly knackered afterwards. And he's still got to do a post-match angle where he, oh, there's problems in Harlem Heat 2000. Oh, well, that their fabled history of six weeks is about to come to an end because they can't get along. Like, Christ. Okay. Star rating, Chris. Quarter. 0.75. Okay. So it's on the scale of shite. Yeah, yeah, that's a right about there with that one. Yeah. Thank God. Match number six. The match of the night, probably. Well, mm. there's maybe another match after this, which could, could be a match of the night. Yeah. It's Booker. Booker T versus the Stinger. I'd put this match is a huge step up in quality in ring wise. Say, so watch out, lads. There's a rest screen breaking out on a rest screen pay per view. Yeah. How good. Very good match, this one, weren't it? 
It was. I, I, I enjoyed it, and it was a massive relief from the sort of wrestling I've got so far. Because, like, don't get me wrong, I'm up to this point, I'm enjoying their pay per view, but want something a bit different than just a bunch of lads punching each other back and forth and flopping around. And yeah, but this was a very nice change of pace. I think this is the only match as well that has a clean finish all night, if I remember rightly. Um, oh, there's another one, Sting and Vampiro. Oh, yes, yeah, so they do well. a join-off first. Yeah, yeah, but um, it was just a neat and tidy match. It wasn't anything standout. It wasn't, it wasn't like nothing to do like match of year quality or anything like that, but you know, it was just a nice little tidy, what was it like eight or nine minutes sort of thing? Basically, in a sea of shit, this was the rolls coming out of the uh, out of it. It was, yeah, and it established like Sting was like the Iron Man of the tournament because he has like longest matches going through, and then you got Booker T where he's basically already sort of rejecting like the uh, way that the New Blood think, and you know, he, he instead one like wants to get respect from a millionaires club instead of like trying to take him out by force. You know, like with a little fist bump at the end and all that lot. So, yeah. This yeah, he's a, very conflicted, isn't he? He is, yes. Yeah, yeah he's, um, and But overall, this was a very satisfying 10 minutes in the pay-per-view. What, so what star rating do you give it that one? Um, I went two and a half stars on this one. 3.25. Oh, okay, this is where I got, start getting a bit strict of star ratings again, isn't it? Yeah, but... It was so much better than what I've been going on. A load of DQs, interference, mm. bollocks, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, who, who'd have thought proper wrestling matches would work on the paper? Match number seven now. On paper, you'd think, oh, this should be a proper wrestling match. Vampiro and Kidman. Hmm. Not really. Not really, no. It, it was all right. I mean, I think we did uh, Vampire Kidman be of a month, and it wasn't. It, it, it was all right. It wasn't on on paper. It's a lot. It's a lot better of a match from what it is in practice because, uh, once again, for me, Vampire isn't very good. But to be fair, I couldn't tell you a thing that happened in the match because it's all about Hulk Hogan. Well, there was one thing in the match. Vampiro falls for the uh, power bombing Kidman spot. Oh, well, everyone does that. You can't, you can't powerbomb Kidman. We know this. So yeah, no, nah, it's it is all built around um, old uh, Mister Hogan again. Yes. Who um, comes out of his Dodge Charger? We have um, an argument between the commentators. Is that a Dodge Charger? Is that a Fiat Cinquecento? Is that a Wide Homer? <laughs> is that a Fiat Five Hundred? No, it's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> It, or it could be like, I don't know, like a mini Metro, like an old banger. Yeah. Or, or do you remember the old adverts for Sheila's wheels of that massive pink car? Like, he comes yeah. up in, in one of them. Oh, oh God. That, that would have been something. That would have been Imagine Hogan in a Sheila's wheels advert. Maybe when he was doing that wrestling in Australia. About <laughs> say he had the tan for it, that's for sure. Um... So he, 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 he gets out of his car, asks Terry Taylor, where's the ring? So Hulk, Hulk can bat a kidman. He goes down and absolutely lays waste to Billy, doesn't he? Murders him, throws him over the top rope like a piece of shit. 
and then uh, grabs the ring steps, I think hits him with him, and then he choke slams him through the table, and like Kidman's just a sack of shit. Yeah, the t- the table doesn't break, so he has to do like power slam him through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh well, R.I.P. Kidman. That's his push gone. Not that it ever started. Um, Vampiro ends up pinning Kidman. One, yeah. two, three. What what did you go on this, Chris? Um, I just went one and a half on this one. Like I said, it wasn't that noteworthy uh, beforehand. It wasn't the worst thing in the world, but yeah. It was all about the Hogan stuff. It took all the attention away. Two out of five, I give it. Two stars. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, Hogan is now backstage um, attacking Bischoff, but he's carted out by cops who end up pulling their guns out on Hogan. (laughs) And Hogan wants to eat Bischoff's ass again. I think it's a fetish he's got, to be honest with you. Wow. Wow. Oh no, it's Vince, isn't it? Brother. Check out Bischoff's ass. Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very, it's weird in pro wrestling because it doesn't happen that often, but when someone pulls out a gun, it's very weird. <laughs> it's like, Pillman, you got, Pillman yeah, one, Pillman it? and like Austin with a fake gun, you know, the uh, Bang 316 thing. I think Austin then used a harpoon gun one time on Kevin Nash in 2002. But Oh, and there was also um, Psycho v. Uh, Midget Killer in TNA pulling out a gun on Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah. That was hilarious because Jeff Jarrett just managed to pick up his guitar and bleed El Cabong him anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so there's something about pulling out a gun in wrestling that's always been weird. And I'm surprised it's not been done more often just for a laugh. Yeah, what an angle this was. Oh. It was effective. It's a shame that Hogan's only really got Kidman to wrestle instead of, like, like against someone like Scott Steiner who's a bit more wild and dangerous because if he could, like, match what Hogan was doing, I think as an angle, I thought it would have worked absolutely fantastically, but Hogan's got nothing to work with, <laughs> unfortunately. So, but in terms of the steps that we've taken so far, you know, I'm well into, like, this new Hogan. Yeah, oh well, he gets his old Fubu jacket done in. Yeah, the, the uh, FU New Blood, uh, FUMB, the MB stands for New Blood. You figure out the rest. Yeah, that's a, that's the one. Yeah, but this is Hulk Hogan basically going, Oh, Steve Austin's doing well on the other channel. What if I'm Steve Austin for a while? And so he, far, he's basically Steve Austin, isn't he? He's trying to be, and so far, you know what? I, I, I think it's working really well up to this point. Well, as Hogan's getting carted off by the cops, the start of the next match now, as Terry mm. Funk goes on a wander to see where Norman Smiley is, and uh, Terry Taylor says, he's in traps room. Yeah, uh, like, he goes into the room, like, Terry Funk goes, Norman Smiley, where is he? And, like, everyone sat there watching, just points towards the toilet. Do you think Do you think Norman Smiley was in the toilet during that Vampiro and Fit Finlay match from last month? Probably. He's seen many things as old Norman Smiley has. Serial shitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Terry Funk finds Norman Smiley screaming in the toilets. Now, this is the one I mentioned last month that has got an abnormally high rating on the um, Grapple app. It does. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, a few of like people who reviewed at the time rated it quite highly as well. In all fairness, what what would you go on this match? It's a strange one because I don't think I'd rate it highly, but I'd still go two and a half stars. I thought it was quite entertaining. Um, it was probably the best backstage. Well, I, I like to call them WWE backstage assault hardcore matches, where it all basically takes place in. But in the back, I think this was probably the best match that mainly took place backstage. What WWE did. Yeah, um, there's like spots in here, like Norman hanging from the pipes while Terry yeah, tries yeah. to get him down. You know, like um, a cat or a. Is it, is it, is it pinata, pinata, yeah, and he, yeah, he just like shuffles the table along and just chucks a chair on him so Norman falls into the table. That was great. And and there's all the stuff in like backstage of the kitchen where like Norman picks up like that power washer like for food and puts it all over Terry. I mean, I don't think that's hygienic. I don't hope they weren't serving food out there for the rest of the night. Well, they said on commentary that's the first time Terry Funk's had a wash in a while. <laughs> the um, well, he, ch- he chucked him through the hatch, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. To be honest, when it actually got in back into the ring, and you know, there's a lot of weapon shots and what have you. There's um like Funk getting out of the uh, big wiggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. he just like what? It just smacks Norman with the chair, and then mm. out comes Dustin Rhodes to interfere. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he manages to get the uh, Shattered Dreams on him, actually. I hadn't, I hadn't actually ever seen Dustin break out that movie in WCW before then. But yeah, say, but it all goes a bit pear-shaped as um, Funk manages to like, kick a chair away from Rhodes, gets him to the outside, and then um, Funk hits Smiley with a ladder. Yeah, he just from, from, from the ring to the outside and, yeah, pins him. Uh, well, you went two and a half on it. Yeah. I went 3.25 on it. Fucking, oh, okay. I thought it was really fun. Interesting, interesting. I, I must like me um, hardcore and uh, clusterfuck matches in yeah. 2000. I've mentioned this before, but I think there's a certain sequence towards the backstage assault style matches, whereas I think when WCW did hardcore matches that took place primarily in the ring in like 98, 99, I thought some of those matches were absolutely fantastic. Mm. Like um, I think I might reference this as well, but there's like a a four a four man lucha match. I think it might have been a tag team match, which for some reason Shivani and Heenan spent the whole match burying it. But it's like a fantastic hardcore match. And then there's like um, was it Hack Raven and Bigelow? I believe Uncensored '99. That's a fantastic hardcore match. It's and the one that brings Stampede in it as well. It is, 99. yeah, yeah. Yeah, between Bigelow and Hack, that was good. There's a really random four-way on Nitro, I seem to remember, between the likes of it's like Horace Hogan and Mikey Whitbrook and Brian Nobbs, where we just like got out those... Remember Surge, you know, that, that drink they used to hold? Yeah. Like, getting out the bins, I like just like chucking them all at each other. There was some really good, fun hardcore matches, but I think when we start going backstage and therefore disregarding the crowd a lot, I think it took away a lot from the what made those matches so entertaining, but that's just another Russoism for you. Uh, match number nine now. Um, Scott Steiner, Mike Awesome. Uh, another tournament, semi tournament, semi final. This one. Mm. It's more set. More set. I think we dive into all like the the DQs and the interference in these latter matches, don't we? Especially with this one. This is the one do. where Nat comes out and attacks Awesome. 
it's a shame because if you put this pairing together, which I think might happen again at a later pay-per-view, so we will get to see that anyway. I'm just going to check match time because when I watched this, it felt like this match went about three minutes before Kevin Nash dived in. Uh, yeah, literally three minutes 14. Uh, I thought this was there was hardly a match here again. I'm not sure if we're just trying to save Scott Stein because he's not that uh, far back from injury, but yeah, basically it's um, outcomes. Uh, awesome gets the advantage, goes to the top rope, and out comes Kevin Nash with his one remaining crutch after his other one got uh, destroyed by Awesome on Nitro, and yeah, hits him in the back and it's straight into a Stein recline, and that's it. Yeah. A, a um, match. What did you go? It was another half star for me. It wasn't much going on. One and a bit, I went. Yeah. Um, so, after, after this, um, there's a backstage segment with Vince Russo uh, sacking Dustin Rhodes. He says, the only way you were um, any good was when I put you as gold dust. Mm. But I remember See, that's they, the had, they had that angle, didn't they? Um, not long after that, where he was like seven, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And they broke kayfabe. Yeah, to go back on my earlier point, this is the sort of time where you don't reference competition because you're basically saying Dustin Rhodes in WCW is an inferior product of what it was in WWF. That's when you don't reference competition. You don't do that. Yeah. So, uh, with Dustin Rhodes uh, fired, we go into match number 10 now. Vampiro versus Sting in the um, other semi-final. Now, this is the other other match, which actually ends in a clean finish, Chris. Yeah, it is, in all fairness. Quite a comprehensive one, which makes me think, well, where does Sting and Vampiro go from here? Yeah. Because, because this is the beginning of a feud that literally doesn't end until, what, four months around there? <laughs> and yet here we are, six days into this new era, and Vampiro's uh, doing the GOB, and uh, I've got much time here, he's doing the GOB clean in five minutes, 59 Bloody hell, that sure. Yeah, it was. It wasn't that long a match, in all fairness, as well. For, for what it was, though, um, I, I certainly I enjoyed it enough. More because of Sting, obviously, but yeah, it was all right. Um, what did you go on it? Uh, I, I went another one and a half on this one. 2.75. God, that's our biggest gap yet, isn't it? Yeah, it's just because I thought what they did in there was a good, solid match. Mm. It was fine, but it just didn't feel like... I mean, I know, again, it's just the first chapter and all that lot, but it just didn't feel like if a blood feud that should have really happened as soon as Sting betrayed Vampiro. It was yeah. very much it was very much first chapter stuff. I mean, I don't think we ever actually improve on, on this match. I think the Stombery one might be better, to be fair, but yeah, it was fine. Yeah, so um, with this one, Sting hits the um, Scorpion Death Drop and it taps out uh, Vampiro with a Scorpion Death Lock. A lot of death going on. Mm. Um, talking of death, that's uh, what how this next match went down with the crowd. It was the Cruiserweight Clusterfuck. The Crowbar, Hoovy, Candido, Shannon Moore, Ashley LaRue, Ayakea, Shane Elms, and God knows whatever else cruiserweights are out there. Uh, <laughs> I, I lost I lost count. They just all jumped in the ring at once, like, oh, we've got to have a match now. They did. Yeah. Um, this is very much... 
the, the way these cruiserweights presented as well, it's basically the comedy jobber division. Yeah. Yeah. So they like with a main focus being on the people on the outside instead, like Daphne, like Shane Helms, like Paisley, like Tammy Cinch when she appears, and everyone else, like your Lash LaRue's, your Crowbars, your even two Guerreras are completely second rate compared to them. Um yeah, so this was a bit of a, a nothing match. I mean, there was a lot more wrestling in this match, in all fairness. Uh, so I've got to give it credit to that, but it was just basically moves for the sake of moves. They've, they've got a certain slot, which I've got time up here. Yeah, so they've got a five-minute slot, literally five minutes, 12. Get some moves in, then we'll move on to the uh, screwy ending where Candido wins uh, because of Tommy. Oh, yeah, Mark Madden were loving this, weren't he? Of course he was. He was doing a really shit Jerry Lawler impression, so you know he's got to do the cat fight and the puppies and all that lot. It's wonder that weren't Jerry Lawler's um, autobiography. <laughs> I was say yeah, I've got another idea of an autobiography, but it's libelous, so I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, she was just 17. Um, no, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to say 13. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Um, but definitely uh, did not commit statutory rape. Right. So in the end, um, so Candino, Candido wins the uh, Cruiserweight title, pinning uh, Ayakea. Mm. Uh, then Sonny, Tammy and uh, Paisley Charmel get into a rolling competition. Yep. And, so send uh, everyone, everyone into um, hysteria. Cat fight, cat fight, etc. A mess. It was. It was a mess. One and a quarter. I actually went slightly higher, one and a half. Another one, I seem to be giving everything one and a half at a minute, aren't I? But I'll say there was moves for the sake of moves, for moves to appreciate, but there wasn't any rhyme or reason for them. It didn't add much. So, match 12 now. WCW tag team title match. Luger and Flair versus Douglas and Bagwell. Flair in his uh, best golfing clubber again. Mm. Um, Russo's out to ringside as well. Um, You have Scott Hudson getting a dynamic dudes uh, referencing on Douglas, which I found, uh, found funny. Yeah, that was good by him. Yeah, um, and uh, Tony Schiavone saying bullshit live on pay per view as well. Yeah, there were there were a thing at the um, start of the show. I think I think it was Shivani said, "Oh, we don't really know what's going to go on tonight and what have you." And it's not going to be much wrestling. <laughs> yeah, there was. I think he did say, "This is a wrestling. These are fights." Just like, well, I paid for a wrestling pay per view. I want to see some wrestling. Oh, yeah, there's also uh, Shane Douglas quite close saying fuck you as well into the camera at one point, too, which didn't get censored out. That's say even without the censors on pay per view, or the guy was getting a bit bored himself and he was just like, eh, fuck it. Ah, just let him get I, on with I, it. I, I'm, I'm going to read a book in the background instead. They can do what they want. Um, so, uh, go on. Oh, no, uh, I was just going to say there wasn't really much to this match either, in all fairness. It was basically. A, a few like like gorilla press slam on from Luger to Douglas and a bit of kicking and punching, a few bloody 
a tree of woe at some point and the clotheslines and yeah but it wasn't they were basically just waiting around until the finish yeah so um russo ends up using the bat uh bagwell actually misses a blockbuster and it's douglas instead but out comes the bryans yes adams and clark (laughs) to um to um interfere and choke slam luger this is this is um chronic's debut isn't it it is yes um I got quite excited as well because I used to be a big mark for Raph, so I thought it was for the return of Raph. Oh no, it's Brian. That's that's for Brian with a Y, not with a Brian with an I. That's Brian Adams. Well, we we, we watched much of Chronic's career in WWE um, in two thousand and one. So uh, this is supposedly the good the good part of Chronic is two thousand WCW. Correct, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'd say you're very at one point uh, relatively over compared to the rest of WCW's roster. So, I mean, I, I never minded them as such as a big man tag team, in all fairness. I never shot Ben into WWF, but yeah. There, um, I want my raft back. We'll get many a match with Palumbo and the whole hair. Oh, can't wait. Bring it on. It's It's like the... Harris Twins versus the Mamluks, but good. Well, better than shit. So, um, buff pins Luger thanks to Russo. Yes, more interference. Uh, mm. One and a quarter. I went on this. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Same rating. Match 13 now. Oof. US title. Scott Steiner versus... The Stinger. For the US Heavyweight Championship, so the final of this tournament. For those yes. kids who have lost counts at home, and I don't blame you if you have. There's so many tournaments on this bloody show. I know, they should have saved one for Nitro at least. Bloody hell. So hard to keep up. The um, Not much to this match again. No, it was a disappointing match, really, because Scott Steiner and Sting were two of my favourites in WCW. And no, it was just a, a few punches, not that lot, a few closed lines. Uh, I think it was a like, top rope splash and, and all that lot. But no, it, I think it was, um, say, the finishes, like uh, Sting went for a few... Uh, Stinger splashes something when he yeah went, he, he hits he hits he, two he, and then the third two. one he never hits the third one but this time bloody hell he, like an arm pops out from under the ring is it is it Kane is it the big show no it's Vampiro <laughs> no it's skinny it's the skinny uh, uh, like UK Kane as it were it's, it's Vampiro instead yeah. yeah so he drags him down um, into the top, ring top, Cost a load of strawberry jam on him, or yeah. that Tommy Tommy Boyd tomato ketchup. To, to, oh, yeah. Tomato ketchup. Yeah, same sort of substance. I remember commentators aren't allowed to refer to this as blood either. They have to call it red liquid. Ah, yeah. not the even the evil goo. No, I so say if you notice, uh, you know when we get onto them pouring blood pharmacy and all that lot in a in about a week's time after this, yeah. they never say the word blood once. They're allowed to say new blood, as in the direction, as in the faction, but they're not allowed to call blood in the context of blood uh, as a turn of organisation. 
Ah. It's like how foreign, ob- uh, uh, foreign weapons used to be called international objects. It's a bit of double speak going on. But yeah, it's the uh, viscous red liquid that we'll refer to going forward. The viscous red liquid. Um, so with Sting covered in the viscous red liquid, he gets pulled out, um, starting a recliner, and no answer from Sting. And your new, new US champion, say that 10 bloody times, is Scott Steiner. And another once again on my notes, I put yes, more infinite, more interference, folks. Mm. And, Vamp- and Vampiro getting his heat back, maybe? Nah, not for me. I mean, the right choice to winner, in all fairness, um, especially going by the logic that the winner, that the US champion should automatically be number one contender for the belt. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, this tournament that got us here wasn't very good, was it? No, it, it, it should have. It probably should have been a, a, a four-man tournament, a bit slower paced. But yeah, one point seven five. Uh, what for the this two. one? Yeah. Uh, what well, Scott Steiner singing? No, a one and a quarter. I mean, it wasn't really up to much. Uh, yeah, another one and a quarter. Yeah, I'm getting consistent now. Good news is the next match is getting a couple more starts on me. So yeah. Um, in the TNA special before it was yes. TNA. <laughs> you just stole all my notes of this one. <laughs> match, match fourteen, Diamond Dallas Page versus Jeff Jarrett, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Wow, wow, wow. WCW title. Um, fucking hell. This is TNA. Yes, damn right it is. So everything I love about it. Just everything. <laughs> so they start in the ring, they go out, they start rolling around in the crowd and they pick up a few weapons that they're allowed to use legally along the way. And then they come back in again and then they have a normal match with like a sleep hold in it. And then things pick up, someone starts interfering and then lo and behold there's a swerve at the end and Jeff Jarrett wins. It's the perfect TNA match. Oh, well, Bischoff comes um, out, out out to the arena about five minutes in. Yeah. He looks like to be the one who's going to, uh, you know, cost DDP the match and what have you. And he just has an intense staring competition with Kimberly. Mm. Through it all, like, are you going to go first? Are you yeah. going to go first? And then for some reason, she picks up her guitar and it's like, Oh, I wonder what's going to happen here then. Sli- slightly too choreographed there, Kim. Uh, and not your best acting work. So it's certainly not as good as when you got your boob out in a 40-year-old version. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so with this, uh, Ref gets taken out by accident. Ref, uh, DDP actually kicks out of a belt shot. Yeah. You have Kimberly turning on DDP with the yeah. uh, guitar, where he was sort of like to the side of Jarrett, and he just like, <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't the best choreographed, to be fair. No. I mean, they're sort of like all week. They're sort of like being building this angle where Kimberly's getting a bit too big for her boots anyway, because like when she's gonna re- wrestle with Juice on Thunder and DDP's, oh no, you, you can't do this, and she's just like, oh, why can't I? It's all mm. about me, blah blah blah. So. It's a rare swerve in WCW that makes sense. You know, obviously they've built to it really quickly because they've only had six days, but it's one of the rare ones that worked for me in terms of these senseless swerves. Yeah. 
because Mark Madden kept calling him DD Me, weren't it? That's apparently a shoot, as it were. Mark Madden legitimately hated DDP, but DDP probably just didn't give a shit. Who fucking cares about Mark Madden? Yeah. It is an American that supports Liverpool. He's got no self-respect. But now, but apparently, it's like a long, hot, ongoing grudge. You might be able to like read about it more online, but those were all Mark Madden getting his actual shots in on DDP, and it's just like, well, one of you is like a, a, a two-time heavyweight champion, you know, multi-millionaire, and one of you is a really fucking shit radio DJ who got lucky with a wrestling gig. I know who I'd rather be. Mm. You know, uh, the DDP saved a few lives of his DDP yoga. What has Mark Madden ever done? Well, yeah, saved saved a few. Um, I don't know. Listening to his podcast with him being shite. I don't. Yeah. Um. So the yeah the stroke one two three Jarrett wins TNA 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 TNA. Um, two point seven five for me. For this Ooh. TNA Matt Classic. Three stars. I've gone high on this one. Whoa. I know. Breaking the stars out here for WCW 2000. I think this might be my highest rated match of the service so far, I reckon. Uh, possibly yeah. so. It, but... it was it was a good TNA main event. I mean, it was all the cheap tricks that Jarrett has got in his arsenal. But to be fair... Did, when they, the... do in, did they do it in TNA, DDP and Jarrett? Because he were there, they weren't they? Yep, Destination Next 2005, and it's really sad that I couldn't recall that right away. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll double-check that one just in case I got that one wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was Destination Next 2005. Uh, the main event was... Fucking nailed it in one. Get in. Who won, Jeff? Of course he did, yeah. He was a champion at the time. No one defeats Jeff Jarrett when he's NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's uh, Spring Stampede 2000 done with Chris. I've got to say, immensely better than Super Brawl and Uncensored, but in a in a like weird, entertaining shit way. Agreed, hundred percent. It was. It was exciting um, and quite thrilling to watch. And still is, in all fairness, but you don't go in if you want a proper wrestling show. Leave your brain at the door. Yeah, basically. If you want a show that's pure chaos, and this is the show for you. And I think this is actually one of WCW's better pay-per-views in 2000 as well, as a result, in all fairness. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I still enjoy this show to the day to this day. I mean, I watch this on uh, Bank Holiday Monday in one go. I know I know it's only two hours thirty-seven, which compared to pay-per-views these days, it's an absolute breeze anyway. But this is still an absolute breeze to watch to this day. I, I watched it last night, yeah. just all the way through. Yeah, and and as an again as an opening chapter to this whole Russo Bischoff New Blood Millionaires Club era, I thought it did its job really successfully. And if I'd watched this and like paid money to see it at the time, I think I would have been quite happy with doing so. Yeah. And then in a couple of months' time, you get into New Blood Rise. Yep. 
all that lot to come. Great American Bash 2000 on the rest. Can't wait. What well, glorious summer it's going to be. Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, Spring Stampede 2000 done with. Uh, Chris, are, are you any plugs? Uh, anything? Yeah, sure. Uh, listen to my podcast, uh, Cinemortuary, which is at Cinemortuary on all your socials and your podcasting stuff. Um, I'm not on a uh, couple of episodes because I had an ear infection this time. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've been a bit poorly, but I will be back, don't worry, uh, with a review of Scream 3 at the end of this month. So, yeah, you got that to look forward to. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter for whatever reason, then at Frilson. Good stuff. Um, you can follow me at Part 3 on Twitter, at GCP Podcast one on Twitter. And um, we're at 100 followers now, building it back up. There we go. One by one. <laughs> by brick by brick by fucking brick. Um, uh, what what episodes have we done? Ah, we were at Rev Pro at Sheffield um, last um, Sunday with the one and only Martin Bushby. His Mrs. Lisa and also Mike were there, Jeff were there, and the Doyle brothers were there. Yeah. It was like it was like back to the old routine doing a podcast in a it pub. Was, it was a damn shame I wasn't there. I was going to be there, but uh, then I had a yearly tract infection, so uh, I've had a really good time of illnesses recently. So yeah, I'm absolutely gutted I missed it because it sounded like a hell of a show. In all fairness, yes, um, it was a very good show, a very positive review as ever. Um, Red Pro. I'm flying that flag. Yeah. Um, so we never doubted you, Andy Q. You've always been the greatest promoter. Everyone else can get in the bin. I legitimately mean that now as well. You know, but yeah. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> show, show's coming up. Um, we're going to Top Rope Wrestling at Burnley um, on the 21st of May, uh, which has James Mason on against Jackie Polo. Mm. Um, He's the main reason we're going, James Mason, on the show. He sold me that. That that sold me a ticket. Is that the same day that Burnley could get relegated from the? No, it's the day before. Oh, is it? Oh, that'd be a tense atmosphere if it goes down to the last day. Yeah. So uh, no, no. So Burnley played the day after on the twenty second. Yeah, but I mean that it'd be quite tense around the whole town beforehand. Yeah. So um, we're going there. Got Rev Pro. At your call on the twenty second. Uh, then we've got another review with yourself, Chris Lamboree. We do, yes. On the twenty fifth of Wednesday, so three weeks from tonight, we'll be back doing Slamboree to get all caught up in terms of months. And then we'll be going it month by month in order after that. Happy days, and yeah. I'll, I'll also hopefully be seeing you in person in uh, Cleethorpes. Yeah, I hope uh, so. I'll bloody live there. <laughs> the old BWR. Yeah, yeah. BWR Rumble, which um, I'm really looking forward to. It was really good last year, that show. Yeah, it was, yeah. Again. Yeah, I, I, fingers crossed. But I, I do have faith that it'll be a really good show. And uh, who who doesn't like a Rumble anyway? Yeah, everyone loves a Rambo. Um, so, as ever, cheers, Chris. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been GCP Podcast. Thank you, and... Bye. The Cho Cho Chosen One.